Hello, everyone, and welcome to Millennial Rewind, where we take a not-so-sentimental look at the movies and TV shows that were around when millennials were growing up. I'm your host, Nick, coming to you from the parcels full of birthday presents of the West Coast, Los Angeles, California. And joining me here in the City of Angels is my co-host, Jules. Jules, how are you doing today? Oh, I stopped playing hopscotch with kids I don't know. I'm starting to get weird. (laughs) It was weird that you even started that. Joining us from the, I, I got nothing. I, I I got nothing. Seriously, there is nothing unpleasant in the show we're about to review that I can satisfactorily compare the Inland Empire to. So pass. But coming to us from that place is our other co-host, John. John, what's happening? I just picked up some chocolates from Adolf Hitler's mobile snack shop. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, got it. Before we explain to you what that's all about, uh, if you like what you hear today, please do us a favor and hit that subscribe button. Also, be sure to share the show with anyone you think might like to listen as well. So that was all because we watched the classic British children's stop motion animated show Postman Pat. And John, how would you tell someone you watched Postman Pat without using the title? I've witnessed a stop-motion hellscape where everyone in an entire village is wholly dependent upon a single social servant while being so emotionally dead inside they can only exude pleasantness. <laughs> oh, sorry, Rural England. I Sorry, I saw Rural England. My mistake. This is, get those confused. <laughs> you, did, yeah. you did. You did see Rural England. And Jules of the Producers had asked you to come up with a different title for this kid's show. What would you have given them? How Boring is the Countryside, the TV show? Yeah, that is a sufficiently boring (laughs) title for an incredibly boring show. Like, we were, like, talking about doing this as a lark, and then we decided to actually do it. And then watching the show, I'm like, oh, my God, nothing happens. (laughs) <laughs> or like some some stuff happens, but like it's the most boring shit ever. It's like somebody talking about their day at work, the show. <laughs> it's that scene from 40-Year-Old Virgin where Steve Carell gets asked what he did for the weekend and he describes the entire process of preparing egg salad. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better. Couldn't have said it better. It's just like, oh no, Granny, what's her face? Forgot her hat. Is the... <laughs> In the barn. And it's immediately resolved. Immediately resolved. (laughs) But here's the thing. At that point, the show had been running for something like 10 years, whether or not it got, um, you know, a series every year. I don't know. But at that point, Pat has become all of us because there's literally a, oh, I hope she doesn't forget anything else. (laughs) It's like me too, Pat. (laughs) Yeah. At some point, Pat gets sick of people's shit, but he can't like lose his own shit. So he just gets like weirdly (laughs) passive aggressive. I'm curious to see a lot more of this because to me, it's the second episode I ever saw when he got tired of people's shit. (laughs) (laughs) I know. For me, this was the most adorable show that I loved as a kid that I don't remember at all. Literally, (laughs) no elements of this show have stuck with me over the years. Interesting. Not even that epic theme song? (laughs) Well, I was going to get to that, but being so old and jaded and flat out ruined, I guess, has crushed anything adorable from my childhood, except for the song, which was basically our generation's Baby Shark. Oh God, it was. It really was. That was our song that just drove absolutely everyone nuts i could see that i've had this banger of a tune in my head for the past few days i haven't been able to stop i've changed a few words here and there 10 years from now when i'm committed in some insane asylum i will be singing the postman pat theme song in my cell 
Oh, I'm not waiting that long. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be the reason they pick me up to carry me off. <laughs> Listener, uh, since most of you uh, reside in the United States and have probably not seen this show, you need to, to stop listening to the episode. You need to put us on pause. You need to go to YouTube. You just got to type in Postman Pat and just watch the start of any video that comes up and you will hear the absolute fucking earworm that this song is. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that it was my first exposure to postman pat because you know i grew up in like the anglo sphere of south africa and so of course postman pat a major british kids show and just kids would be randomly singing postman pat and i don't think i ever saw it on tv i don't know how the fuck these kids saw it i just don't know i don't know whether it just like magicked their way onto their tvs but i would always flick the channel like i want to watch postman pat too i want to know where this song comes from never i don't think i ever saw it at some point my grandparents went on a trip to england they brought back a couple of british comics you know the beano for anyone who's familiar with the beano with the british dennis the menace classic and a post Postman Pat comic book. Like there was other media around it, but I don't think I ever saw an episode. Postman Pat has a CG movie and I'm already disappointed that that exists. Yeah, it's kind of like when they brought back Rugrats and you found out that they were doing that in 3D. Yeah, it just like why? Well, they just released Chip and Dale too, right? Oh, no, no. That Chip and Dale movie is actually amazing. Oh, really? Yeah. You have styles of animation all throughout history. So so Chip is still like regular hand-drawn cartoony animation and Dale in trying to like keep current and on his fame got the like the 3D cosmetic surgery. Like it's, <laughs> that movie is bizarre. It it really is worth checking out if you have the opportunity. Okay. What struck me about Postman Pat is just how ridiculously wholesome it is. <laughs> With certain somewhat unsettling moments and I feel like hidden plots. <laughs> that is exactly where I was going to go into because I, of course, had absolutely no idea what this was until about a year ago. As mentioned, we were, we were just throwing ideas around and I'd watched an episode and laughed my ass off. But yeah, I sat down to watch these and I like it. It's bouncy. It's simple. It's a good, simple story for kids. But my jaded mind just kept concocting all these backstories and <laughs> interwoven plots that I cannot wait to share with the world. The dystopian hellscape of Postman Pat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Me too. I have a dark undertone story <laughs> for both episodes and hidden, yeah, as you say, hellscapes. <laughs> Well, I've got dark story for almost every character we come across. <laughs> it will be guaranteed to be far more interesting than any of the bullshit that goes on in these episodes. <laughs> That's kind of like how movies like Blair Witch, there's not a whole lot on screen, but it's sort of your mind is left to wander and kind of fill in the gaps and create the terror. That's what we did with this simple, charming children's program. <laughs> there's so much nothing, you can't help but fill in the holes. So it's on us. <laughs> yep. I couldn't find find any like interesting tidbits about the production or development of this show other than it existed they took a little break in the 90s came back in the early 2000s and it stopped in 2017 i was so enamored by my headcanon i even forgot to look for baywatch references but how crazy would that have been if there was <laughs> Considering that by the end of like the 10 years, they would have had a grand total of 
two voice actors involved in this fucking show. If one of them had been on Baywatch, it would have been a Christmas miracle. Especially the guy who does the majority of the voices. Oh my god. The half guest starred as the reverend or something. Oh my god. <laughs> but yeah, I find that hilarious that even the production of this show is incredibly dull. <laughs> so boring. Very sparse. It reminded me of a a Soviet stop motion animation called Chiburashka, which you should absolutely look up. John, I will send you links because John has given us a very curious look on his face. I will send you these links. Yeah, very similar in terms of like style and motion and sparseness. So anyway, uh, if nobody's got anything else to say, we are going to mentally prepare our head cannon. And when we come back, we're going to break down the pilot episode, Postman Pat's Finding mm-hmm. Day. We'll be right back. (laughs) Hello, Pat. What are you doing in the church? I'm just looking for a lost doll, Reverend. Oh, look. Mrs. Ball left her handkerchief behind. Oh, dear. I'd best get it back to her, or she'll be sneezing on her sleeve all day. That's a great idea, Pat. And there's something else here, Reverend. It's a pound of half-cut heroin. Mrs. Barlow will be missing that. I'll drop it off on the way to Mrs. Ball. Oh, now, Pat, I don't think that's a good idea. Look at this. Gerald Ramsay left his bloodied machete by the door. That's awfully forgetful of him. I'd best return it too. Oh, heavens above, Pat. I don't think that's the right thing to do. I think we'd better call the police. Don't be silly, Reverend. It's no trouble at all. Oh, look. I found it. Wait. This is little Johnny Bertrand's doll. I should get that back to him as well. Oh, well, that seems harmless. What kind of doll is it? It's a voodoo doll, Reverend. It looks like it has 23 needles in its eyes. Seems like little Johnny wants to poke a bit of fun at the grocer's boy. Oh, kids today. Oh, for crying out loud, Pat. Open your eyes. Can't you see what's going on? Well, I can see a lot better than the grocer's boy. He was accidentally stabbed in the eyes 23 times while he was playing hopscotch at school. What an unfortunate accident. Oh, God damn it, Pat. <laughs> And we're back, and uh, we're going to look at the opening sequence of the very first episode. And as we mentioned, it's the theme song, which goes Postman Pat, Postman Pat, Postman Pat and his black and white cat. Early in the morning, just as day is dawning. I forget the rest. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because I've been coming up with dark storylines these past couple days, I've been singing... (laughs) Postman Pat and PTSD cat. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, his little black and white cat, Jess, definitely looks like he saw some shit. This cat has seen some shit. My very first note for this is, oh, I love stop motion. It's such a beautiful hidden art. And whoa, that cat looks chronically depressed. (laughs) (laughs) I can't tell if he's depressed or just extremely apathetic. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he lives in an English village. Like, what could he possibly find exciting? The only other idea I had was that yeah, he was supposed to be the hero that was going to bring, you know, like emotion and liveliness (laughs) to this village, but somehow underwent a curse. And now he's trapped in the body of the cat and is unable to affect change. 
and the years have just worn him down. <laughs> I mean, he is potentially evidence of this dystopian world because, you know, he might be the normal one who's seen some shit, whereas everyone else is smiling in a conspiracy of silence of whatever terrible event it was. Yeah, he's the only sane one in this little world. <laughs> but being trapped in the body of a cat, he is unable to do anything about it. There is definitely a mass grave somewhere in Greendale. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but I'm sure it's there. Yeah. Graveman Gus. Graveman Gus. <laughs> <laughs> As we tra- <laughs> Sorry. This is so good. As we transition, because there is another hint that something isn't right, because one of the lyrics to the song is all the birds are singing. Right? And yet... There are absolutely no bird sounds in this pilot episode. Nope, no bird or birds. Yeah, yeah, not just in the theme song, because you can get away with that. There's little flute trills. There's weirdly people singing when he says that, little la-la-las. But there are no birds. I didn't even see birds. No birds. What happened to the birds in Greendale? This is all part of the conspiracy, you guys. <laughs> Also, part of that, because I picked up on this too, uh, the narrator is just very unreliable. Okay. I feel like he's making shit up as he goes. And in the pilot, during this opening title song sequence, when Pat starts off driving to the village to start his job, all the trees are dead? They do look pretty ratty. It's all like bare branches and red or brown leaves. But by the time he gets into the village, they're green and vibrant. He's a witch. This is a hellscape. A wicker man ceremony happened, and (laughs) all the birds were sacrificed for harvest (laughs) to keep the trees around Greendale green. Now I'm just picturing a bunch of sparrows chirping, not the bees! (laughs) (laughs) I know Edward Woodward did a better wicker man, but I haven't seen that one. Sorry, British people. Uh, I have seen that one. It's good. So, despite all the fun headcanon stuff that we've been giving you, audience member, literally fuck all happens in this opening thing except <laughs> Postman Pat and his black and white cat driving in his royal mail van through a village of no people, through a countryside that's completely uninhabited. He is just mad maxing his way through this fucking English town. He sings his own theme tune. <laughs> he does the f- first thing when we get into the episode is he hums his own. Does he know he's in a TV show? <laughs> I think it's just part of the curse. There's even more dystopia in that theme song, though. There's a legitimately creepy moment because the the lyric goes, maybe you can never be sure there'll be a knock, ring, letters through your door. (laughs) There's a creepy laugh at the end of that line. There is a creepy laugh at the end of that line. I remember that. Did Postman Pat deliver Harry Potter's acceptance letters during the the flood in? No, no, No. that is that is way too happy and whimsical for Postman Pat. Jess would have killed the owls. (laughs) Just Jess the cat killing the owls outside (laughs) Harry's house. I love that image. I now want to see a wizard's duel between like Dumbledore and Postman Pat. You got the phoenix and you got Jess the black and white cat. We're zapping curses, we're chucking parcels. Audience, this is such a dull show that we have to make shit up like this to, to make this funny. So if, if you want to know why we're going to be completely off the rails, that is why. But that said, after uh, Pat Mad Max is through the clearly abandoned town, when we do meet 
uh, the first resident of this town. Oh, sorry. I'm not done with the theme song yet. Okay. <laughs> okay. Th- th- there's more. So we have dead trees, lack of birds, some weird stalker who might slip you something through your door and chuckle about it. <laughs> and then the theme song ends repeating the line that Pat feels he's a really lucky man. Yeah, he feels he's a really happy man. He feels that way. We will see evidence to the contrary, but for some reason, he is blissfully unaware of the shithole existence that he lives. <laughs> well, as we said, he drives through this town. He's basically Omega Man at this stage. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. And uh, when he finally does meet the only other human being who survived the apocalypse, they have the same sort of painted smiley face on, and so do all the residents. And it is so existentially terrifying. All of these smiles. Yes, it is. Even when they're upset, they are still smiling. Yeah, it's all just blissfully calm. Oh, what's her name? I think Katie has a frown for a little bit. Yeah, for like a hot second. We'll get there. We will get there. So we have a narrator who narrates literally everything we're seeing on screen as we're watching it. Sometimes unreliably. (laughs) Sometimes unreliably. I'm like, yeah, you know, good visual storytelling involves showing and not telling wherever possible. But this narrator has decided to do both at the same time. Just (laughs) this is show and telling form of narrative. It's like Silver Age comic books where (laughs) every character on a panel has to get a word balloon. And most of the time they're describing what they're doing. (laughs) And so. (laughs) Yeah, I remember those. (laughs) So Postman Pat goes into the post office and, you know, the doorbell rings as he opens it, except there's no fucking bell by the door. I don't know where this bell sound came from. Me either. And I have a feeling I might have a lot of questions for Jules just to get us on the same page. Are post offices typically also the general store? No. So why the hell does this woman have like cereal and dolls and tins of food on shelves? I have no idea. Uh, Because she is a doomsday prepper on top of... (laughs) Oh, that's right. Because the apocalypse. Exactly. Yeah. How silly of me. Also, so Mrs. Goggins, who's the old lady who runs the post office, apparently works for the postal service, but doesn't have to wear a postal uniform. She gets to just wear her her apron and whatever. Yep. Well, she's the one who summoned Cthulhu, so she she does get to choose. Ah, that makes sense. She's not particularly good at her job, or at least doesn't really care that much, because Pat arrives to pick up the letters, the parcels and everything to load it in the van and go deliver it. And while everything is sitting on the counter, that's when she noticed that a lot of the mail is for a single recipient. (laughs) Well, two, because they're twins. But anyway, she's just like, oh my goodness, so much of this are for the twins. And Pat's like, well, yeah, it's their birthday. Jesus, lady, come on. Look, if that was your job, if you were running a post office in a small English village, you would be high all the time, too. I promise you. (laughs) I promise you. Well, we'll get to the kids. At least one of them is stoned. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, I have severe questions of just how development from childhood to adulthood works. Like, physically. It's a nightmare. Oh, yeah. But also, Pat is kind of not so good at his job. Because he grabs the letters and parcels and then leaves some behind on the counter. (laughs) Yes, he does. He does. Yeah, so he's got birthday parcels for these kids. And... What? Like, I thought, wouldn't the parents just go out and buy presents? Are birthday parcels a thing in England, Jules? Like, is there something culturally we're missing here? But this did not make a lot of sense. Well, relatives would mail you certain gifts. Yeah. Okay, okay. okay. I mean, they're not going to visit lest they get trapped by the curse themselves, but they'll send some. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They they have to to stay away. (laughs) 
And by the way, uh, listener, this show at this point had zero voice actor budget. It's literally the narrator doing all the voices. I did not know it was possible to have a smaller pool of voice actors than Manos, the Hands of Fate. I think it had three. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I think it was? Uh, it's a sort of transition from like radio theater that they sort of tried to mesh into the stop motion animation. I kind of feel like that's what they were going for. Right, but... but like that transition was happening like the 40s and 50s by that like they had 30 years to figure this shit out this is england (laughs) all we have are old shit (laughs) (laughs) even in the late 80s they had four channels man come on exactly i grew up with four channels when we got channel five we were like going crazy So is that why Sky is Sky? Because that's the limit? Oh my god. Sky was... Everyone got Sky. It was like a monopoly. Everyone just sort of immediately got it. It was like the idea that you'd have hundreds of channels was just so unbelievable. That kicked in in late 90s, I think, early 2000s, and everyone just went absolutely apeshit. Yeah, it's around the time we got like digital satellite television down in South Africa. It was becoming a thing. Yeah, so as you mentioned, John, Pat leaves three fucking letters behind because uh, he sucks <laughs> yes, at his job. Father, son, and the Holy Ghost. <laughs> yes. Salvation will not reach the inhabitants of Greendale. <laughs> Wait, what's the place called again? It's not Greendale. Greendale, yeah. Greendale, yeah. Oh, it is. It is called Greendale, oh. like the community college in community. I, see, I thought I, I, I thought I got confused with community, but that's why the... Okay, cool. Good nope, job. it is. It is the same thing. Sings his fucking theme song <laughs> as he leaves the post office because he is aware of like what hellscape he's in. And his first stop is the school. And I think you already touched on this, Jules. These fucking kids are nightmare fuel. (laughs) They will haunt my nightmares. Let's first clarify as well that Pat's not good at delivering letters or parking. No. Because the sound effects dictate that he smashes into a wall and um, (laughs) activates his left blinker when he reverses. Oh, my God. And then he delegates the task of delivering mail to the oldest child at the school (laughs) yes who just knows this is his duty and walks up to accept the post because he's the oldest i don't think that's how the mail works like (laughs) you have to put it in a designated mailbox otherwise you have not satisfactorily delivered the mail like you don't just give somebody else's mail to a random child it's ridiculous i don't know man apparently bill is very responsible but on the nightmare fuel side real quick (laughs) children have very round heads and adults have very like long you know it's kind of like the difference between Bert and Ernie but if Ernie's eyes were twice as far apart as they are <laughs> yes because it's it's almost like they can see in two different directions at the same time and then as you get older your skull is grabbed and pulled and stretched out and then you know your face narrows to a better proportion yeah when you're a child your eyes are too far apart and when you're an adult in this world your eyes are way too close together yeah i just assumed the kids were from canada right buddy (laughs) (laughs) i don't know because everyone is incapable of speech so i can't tell if their heads separate or not But seriously, one of the kids though, Sarah, she just looks absolutely stoned. She's been smoking so much weed. <laughs> yeah, they they clearly didn't have a dare program at this school. Yeah, well, that's an American thing. So, mm, or the or the British equivalent. So, despite being busy, postman Pat has time to play hopscotch he does one game of hopscotch and realizes the time has just flown by after that one round of hopscotch and he's got to go 
Anyone else find it a little unsettling that he was playing hopscotch with a bunch of kids? But they know him. Everyone knows Postman Pat. Yeah, it's a small village. Everyone knows everyone. And that's where I'm saying, this is just a nice, everyone's so kind. And Mm -hmm. we're going to bring the kids some joy. Sure, we'll play a bit. Okay, got to go back to work. But then the darkness settles in because Bill fucks up his task and drops a letter in a puddle. (laughs) So clearly he is going into the nightmare fuel cupboard from Matilda. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the chokey yes the chokey yes <laughs> bill's gonna be spending the day in the chokey everyone sorry oh uh, just so the nightmare fuel continues are uh, the two girls that he was playing hopscotch with wave goodbye to him completely in sync with the same arm <laughs> it's the curse i'm telling you <laughs> yeah And then the show attempts Huber because he opens his passenger side door to put his hat in and Jess is just like hanging on to the door. He's he's super glued Jess's paws to the door. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's no reason for him to take his hat off other than we we were going to do, we're doing cat shenanigans now. That's that's what the show decided. Cat scenes and shit. (laughs) And then we're just going to watch Pat driving around with no narration for like five minutes. (laughs) Honestly, I prefer this with just the bouncy music. I prefer this a lot more than the he turned left and then right and left again. <laughs> Where the narrator is driving? That is just weird. Listener, that is literally how the narration goes. It is insanely boring. That took a left. <laughs> oh, went around that corner kind of fast. Maybe he's trying to make up for lost time, you know, from hopscotch. Well, one thing I will give it the show. The engine foley is pretty good. They got some good engine foley for this. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So he arrives at the Pottage Farm. Pottages are like Katie and Tom Pottage. It's their birthdays. No, no, no. It's not a farm. It's just an average countryside building that they call a farm. Right. <laughs> That's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cottage. <laughs> Yeah, so the uh, Katie and Tom are twins. They're wearing the same lesbian lumberjack outfit. And hey, Jules, when it's your birthday in England, do you just get to not go to school? Is that a thing? Yes! Yes! Why are they not in school with the rest of the children? That is actually occasionally a thing. You just get to not go to school on your birthday. As a very young kid, you were given the option to stay home. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so true to life. Me is just thinking like, oh, cool, these kids are bunking out. Got it, got it. Yeah, they're bunking out, but staying at home. Well, yeah, well bunking from school is you're just not at school. It's like playing hooky. Yeah, it depended on your parents. but Yeah, but when you play hooky, you don't stay home. You just run around town and get up to shit. <laughs> Fair enough. I was thinking of IT crowd where Moss got, it, got so excited that they're bunking off and he went and rode around <laughs> on the bus all day. <laughs> <laughs> so the kids open their parcels and Tom got just what he wanted, which was a ball and paddle because apparently uh kids who live in english villages don't know what gi joe is that so this is they have very low standards for toys in fairness this is from 1981 gi joe wasn't a thing uh there was gi joe's in the 60s not the, the oh Cobra. you're uh, yeah no i'm thinking like the gi joe that we reviewed yes there were other gi joe's yeah there was an iteration of gi joe yeah um, big question here How do the parcels have this shape where it looks like a perfect box wrapped in brown paper, but when you unwrap the paper, there's just a paddle and a little ball in there? Well, you see, John, the reason is go fuck yourself. That is the reason. Well, good thing I'm part Godzilla and can do that. (laughs) I mean, Katie's makes a little more sense because she got a stack of books 
she got an objectively better present. She got a doll and a stack of books or like a stack of Asterix comics or whatever they are. Yeah, but that's not going to help her out because she is depressed. Yeah, she's sad as fuck because her doll Sarah Ann is missing. Oh, no. So Mrs. Pottage explains this to Postman Pat and Postman's like, don't worry. You know, I'm, I'm good at finding things and I'll keep a lookout. And they go on their way. We watch them drive. Yes, another driving sequence. Yeah. Yeah, more driving. I'd say about half, a third to a half of each of these episodes is just the delivery. Just <laughs> driving. He uses his turn signal at an obviously empty intersection. It's <laughs> crazy. Good habit. That is developing good driving. It is, but we don't need to watch this. It's just, just not good entertainment. So now he's at the church. He's got to drop something off. I believe this is Reverend Tim's. Mm-hmm. Oh, Reverend Tim's. Tim's is he's not all there in the head no no he's not i mean he's a kindly old man but his mind's starting to go up yes and that will be played up even more in the second episode we review oh yeah <laughs> and the narrator of this episode thinks we really want to know that the postcard that pat is giving to reverend tim's it's from his sister who's on holiday in Majorca. like we really were wondering what exactly it was that postman pat was delivering here my spirit is relieved when that tension got lifted <laughs> Off of. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, Reverend Tim's got a postcard. Where could that have been from? <laughs> yeah, no, definitely don't want to leave that as a mystery for too long. You know, explains the situation to Reverend Tim's, and Reverend Tim's like, oh, she always brings her toll. They all have like North England accents. So basically, like the Jon Snow accent is like what this village has. So when Reverend Tim's mentions that uh, yeah, she always brings the doll to church, apparently they were just there yesterday. Did anyone else get the feeling where he was just going to be like, like, oh, well, it's God's doll now. <laughs> because it, seriously, he's like, yes, yeah, she always brings her dolly. But oh, well, I suppose I'll help you look for it. Wait, no, no. that nat- The way that naturally flows is sucks to be her. It's for the church now. I've been sticking <laughs> pins in that doll in the refectory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he says seek and thou shall find and i was like that oh that just sounds wrong to me because like you normally you say seek and ye shall find well again it's the dementia creeping in old english man doesn't understand how to speak old english <laughs> shakespearean english as opposed to biblical <laughs> Well, either way, we get our first of three fucking looking around for a doll <laughs> montages. But what I will say is that I'm pretty sure each object that they find is evidence in a crime, in a murder. <laughs> this is my, my secret theory. So after a certain amount of time, he finds a lady's glove. So we have the first bit of evidence. With DT monogrammed on the inside, yes. So we have our first clue. Oh my god, my headcanon wasn't murders, it was just um, a string of illicit sexual activity. (laughs) (laughs) That is a weird chain of sex crimes. Just gonna throw that out there, John. I'm not sure how the glove in the church factors into it, but the other two will make sense. (laughs) I'm pretty sure someone... Someone was murdered, and someone hid the body. And these are pieces of evidence that we're just, we're discovering around. The oh, town. whatever it is, something definitely went down. Especially with the reactions that the people get when they are given their items back. <laughs> <laughs> something definitely went down. Like, oh shit, you weren't supposed to find that. <laughs> yeah. 
But Postman Pat immediately knows that the glove belongs to someone called Dorothy Thompson, so he'll take it. Because there's only one person with DT for their initials. Well, it's a lady's glove, so you can like narrow it down to... There's only, there's no other lady with the initials DT. Exactly, and heirlooms aren't a thing. Nope, not at all. Postman Pat gets back into his van, and then Jess is wearing the glove as a hat, and this is what counts as humor on this show. Yeah, I had the mistreatment of Jess, because obviously he just threw the glove in when he got in and Jess just pops his head up with this glove on just like you you watching from the other side of the screen just kill me just kill me now it's the first episode and I need this to be over. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah they arrive at Dorothy Thompson's farm and there is literally no mundane action that this fucking show will not show us it'll show like getting out of the car and closing the door and he's getting his hat and being like good morning Dorothy just every fucking little boring minute thing we have to watch it because the show has nothing to say it's like in the room where they go to the cafe and then you watch like the four pairs of extras in front of them in line place their orders <laughs> sounds about right very much so but yeah the narrator just flat out starts making shit up because he's yes! not saying that there are eggs and there just aren't any eggs there are zero eggs <laughs> there was no egg budget <laughs> there was zero egg budget i mean they couldn't afford a second voice actor at this point wait i mean you can't expect them to be able to afford eggs all bird sound effects <laughs> narrator talks about her collecting eggs and she just walks by a pile of straw <laughs> this show is amazing could have been eggs in there you don't know <laughs> And so Dorothy Thompson tells Postman Pat that Katie and her mom were there yesterday for tea. So uh, maybe the doll is at her place. So they go inside and we have another fucking looking for stuff montage. Oh, this one's amazing because when Dorothy's taking Pat inside, it's like, yeah, they were here. Maybe it fell under one of the cushions. So Pat begins to inspect the vase of flowers on top of the television. (laughs) (laughs) Not sure why. And guess what? They find a penknife. We have the murder weapon, people. We've got a victim's glove. It's all coming together. It was Reverend Tim's with the knife at Greendale Farm. My initial thing was that this is Ted Glenn's knife, so clearly Ted accidentally left it while he was there having an affair with Dorothy Thompson. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Question. Do people in villages have encyclopedic knowledge of each other's property? Yes. I'm sorry, they're not in America, so obviously they're communist, and yes, everything belongs to everyone. Uh, Yeah, these are all collective farms. Angels, any hint as to why they're called pen knives, even though they don't have pens? I think it's just the size of a pen. Okay. So yeah, Postman Pat will take the pen knife with him to Ted Glenn's, and I don't know, like the soundtrack here at this moment in particular, it sounded like it came out of like an 8-bit Pokemon game, like just <laughs> the particular bit of music playing here. Uh, so cut to Ted Glenn banging on an anvil. Who's Ted Glenn? Uh, just a bushy mustache dude. Why is there a blacksmith in <laughs> 1980s England? Fucked if I know. Uh, I have Ted Glenn as country English Mario. <laughs> <laughs> He's got his big black mustache, his blue overalls, and long sleeve red shirt. And he also has a dildo nose like Pat. Yeah, it's like when everyone has a dildo nose. At least when you become an adult, you get your dildo nose. <laughs> you get your dildo nose. Yeah. The important fact here is whether it's rampant promiscuity or a series of murders being covered up, Ted's response response when pat gives him his little knife back is just like oh i have no idea where you would have found that 
definitely some shady shit going on in this village, man. Oh, for sure. Like I said, mass grave somewhere. And then, of course, the people whose doll we're looking for, they were there just the other day as well. So maybe the doll's there and we get to search for it again and we get to find a different thing. So now we've got other folks showing up to Ted's place. We, we have the missing doll and then we have whoever this watch involves to. So then that's where I changed his name from country English Mario to man whore Mario. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very much so. Chicka bow bow. Bow chicka bow. Yeah, so yeah, Ted finds this uh watch, a pocket watch, like an old school pocket watch, not like a, a wrist watch, in a crate, while Postman Pack is attacked by some wood that's leaning against the wall. <laughs> the goddess's power knows no bounds. Oh. God, this show's amazing. Yep. So the watch apparently belongs to someone called Miss Hubbard, which is a lucky coincidence because that's where Pat's going next. And no one notices that this watch froze exactly at the time of the crime. So they could have narrowed down <laughs> <laughs> who it was. And, and again, English Mario's <laughs> excuse is just terrible. Oh, she must have dropped it off to get fixed and never picked it up again. Right, Ted. I would say you're not fooling anyone, but apparently you have fooled everyone, Ted. Well done. <laughs> he was laid her out on his anvil and wham. <laughs> would you say he nailed? Nailed her? Ugh. <laughs> So now we get to watch Postman Pat drive away for like 30 plus seconds because there's nothing this show won't do to pat its meager 15 minute runtime. I know it's only 15 minutes long, too. That's including the opening theme song and the ending credits. But it's worth it. Yep. But here's the thing. I don't know if he's going to Miss Hubbard's place or not. He does find her, but not at home. Nope. She is buying goods from Hitler. Hitler is hiding out in rural England in the 1980s. <laughs> now, listener, you might think that we're exaggerating about this puppet's resemblance to Adolf Hitler. And no, we're the fuck we're not. Look up Sam from Postman Pat and look at his mustache and tell me to my face that he does not look like Adolf fucking Hitler. I was taking notes while donating blood. Hitler's mobile snack shop is a thing that my phone now knows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just sells shit out of a back of a van. That is his occupation. You have to say it's the last thing anyone would expect. <laughs> Hitler has, has, has opened a small van shop in rural England, and his revenge is to slightly put out the civil service. This is how he gets back at England for winning World War II. It's Unbelievable. It all makes sense. Hey, Hitler is performing a nice service for those who can't make their way to the post office to pick <laughs> up their biscuits and sweets, all right? He's stealing children's dolls. Yes, because this is where we find uh, Sarah Ann, Katie's missing doll. And it is behind packages in the van. It's not on the floor. It didn't get stuck in the back fender or something. Nope. It is behind a pack of chocolates that Pat buys. And he's like, oh, there's the doll. I guess I'll make both of these a birthday present. No, so he finds the doll. Pat Postman Pat finds the doll behind a box of chocolates that he's intending on buying for Katie. Hitler took it. That's the resolution. I'm just calling him Hitler. Yeah, we're just going to call him Hitler. So Hitler's like, oh, yeah, you know, that kid just gets everywhere. And why are there children running amok in the back of your van, Hitler? Why are there children running amok in the back of your van? <laughs> That's a sentence I never thought I'd hear. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> because they needed little Katie distracted, you know, just go play. And she climbed in the back of the van while Mario and, you know, um, Katie's mom, they were able to pick up some condoms to go carry <laughs> on their illicit affair. I'm sorry. I just still... <laughs> Why have you got some kids running around in the back of your van? Hitler is still my favorite sentence. (laughs) (laughs) We've already come up with like an entire shop's worth of t-shirt ideas from this. So many. This is the out of context. That would just, there would be so many questions. (laughs) So many questions indeed. I still have questions. What do you mean? (laughs) So Postman Pat decides he's going to get the box of chocolates anyway for Katie and fuck Tom, whose birthday it also is. But on top of getting like the objectively worst birthday present, he doesn't get a box of chocolates as well. Uh, I It has to do with the character model of all children, but I think Tom doesn't have the capacity to realize that he got <laughs> stiffed this birthday. And we're now coming to the end of the episode, and we should review. So far, we have a cursed town a missing person story, a murder plot, we've got illicit affairs, and it turns out it was Hitler. This this show has everything (laughs) in 15 minutes. It's unbelievable. All we need is Expector Poirot to show up. (laughs) Hey guys, we can write the show. We can make this happen. (laughs) I don't know who's going to put Adolf Hitler in rural England, because they already did that sitcom Honey, I'm Heil, which was cancelled. That's true, that's true. Well, at least Jess, the black and white cat, has something to do. His job is to make sure that Sarah Ann stays safe for the journey. (laughs) Yep. So now we're at a birthday party with a gaggle full of nightmare fueling. Sorry, I mean children. And Pat walks in and gives Katie her stuff. So she's very happy now. She's got a smile on her face. The first one all day. Pat gives candy to kids. That's important to know. Hitler candy. (laughs) Hitler candy. New from Cadbury's. <laughs> you got to get that Bavarian chocolate, man. That's the good stuff. But not only does he give this child candy, he just sits down and joins the party. He gets a slice of cake. He puts on the silly hat. I have so many questions about how wages work for postmen in rural England. <laughs> like, is this an hourly job or is it a as long as you get it done? sort of thing like as long as it's done by this time this is a job where they will probably never get fired so they can do whatever the fuck they want okay yeah because my original note was just all caps does he get paid to fucking attend parties this is the best job ever i mean there's sometimes their kids birthday parties and he's the only adult there but yeah he he, that's, he gets to do that or or hopscotch it's your tax pounds at work england <laughs> Eh, however, he needs to be off, so we watch him get into his van and drive away, and that's the fucking episode. That's that is all. That's, that's all that happened. I don't know what you're upset about. I, so much happened. Everything happened in that episode. I mean, seriously, <laughs> it's so much mystery. And he completed his fetch quest. You know, yeah. And then we watch him, like, the credits roll, and it's just Postman Pat standing around, alternating between looking around cluelessly and sniffing the mail in his hands. (laughs) It is important to love what you do for a living. It is an accurate portrayal of civil service in Europe. Just sniffing the mail? And the show is so much nothing, they don't even properly (laughs) sing the theme song at the end. (laughs) Nope. They, like, sing the first two lines, and they go, Postman Pat. Postman Pat, 
All right. Well, I need to go play in traffic to feel something again. So we're going to take a break. (laughs) And when we come back, we're going to break down an episode that came out 10 years later. Just for comparison, Postman Pat takes the bus. We'll be right back. Oh, dear, Pat. I think we're lost. I told you we shouldn't have taken directions from that Hitler fellow. Now then, all of you, stay calm. You're upsetting Jess. That was a very sad meow. Are you sure you're feeding your cat enough, Pat? Listen, everybody. If we're going to find our way home, we're going to have to work together. I know. Let us drive around in circles in that rutty field. No, no, no. We must go back the way we came. I have an idea. I think we should ride naked on broken bicycles around town and yell. And how do you suppose that will help us find our way home? Find our way where? All right, that's it. I quit. My job is delivering letters, and you lot ruined it with your constant bickering. You can all jump in that lake as far as I'm concerned. Stomp, 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 stomp. Oh no, Pat left us in a field. How are we going to get home now? I'm cold and hungry. Well, Pat did leave Jess behind. We could always eat her and use her fur to keep warm. (coughs) Oh, all right, fine. We won't eat and skin you, Jess. Hmm, is it just me? Or is this a lot more exciting than our usual lives? Quite. If someone were to write stories about our lives up until now, it would be dreadfully boring. I seem to have forgotten my hat. Do you think Pat could swing by and get it for me? Oh, shut up, Granny Chiden. Nobody cares. Meow. You tell her, Jess. <laughs> now I'm imagining Jess as, um... Old prospecty guy from Blazing Saddles, like, rah, rah. <laughs> <laughs> now who can argue with that? <laughs> and we're back. We're going to fast forward 10 years to 1991 for this next episode, which has got double the runtime and half the fucking story of the first one. <laughs> But it has double the locales. Oh, well, that makes up for everything, doesn't it? Damn right. And it's important to point out that um, at least part of the curse must have lifted because the birds are back. I didn't notice any birds, but I will trust that they're there. Well, the trees are also full of foliage in the opening sequence as well. There's no dead trees this time. It took 10 years, but the curse is beginning to wane. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this intro is basically still Postman Pat driving around, although this time he does get out to open a mailbox so that's different (laughs) uh we also get opening credits in the name of the episode so that's something they decided to do and i feel like the lighting got better just the way they lit these sets seems to be a lot better still driving the same car after 10 years though well you know can't get a new one every year 
And it's breakfast time in Greendale, and apparently Postman Pat has a family now. He's got like a wife and a kid, which all that really means is Postman Pat fucks. We've got confirmation of that. <laughs> oh, I have this was Jules's origin story. His kid's <laughs> name Julian. I'm like, yeah. yeah, hey, Jules, I didn't realize you were in the show. Because clearly you're only allowed to have one person with each name in the entire country. <laughs> they were getting another Julian. That's why they had to kick him over here to the States. <laughs> it did feel like it was getting personal, yeah. <laughs> Postman Pat gets personal. I told you, it's a sex ring. <laughs> and also the show finally got female voice actress budget. because <laughs> They hired an actress to do the female voices, so... That's a new thing. <laughs> oh my God, this is amazing. So the kid, you know, gets shoot off to school. We will not see his wife and kid for the rest of the episode. Nope. That they're, that we're done with them. Yep. Because they ran off to London and that's my origin story. My <laughs> I gotta say, I was really disappointed in this episode because of the title. Postman Pat Takes the Bus? Yeah, I was expecting him to, like, for some reason the village got a proper bus and he had to keep calling for stops so he could get out and do his job. And I really thought that was going to be the case because he leaves the home with Jess and puts Jess on his, sh or, or no, sorry, carries Jess like a football because Jess is one third the size of Postman Pat for some goddamn reason. <laughs> and then rides a bicycle to work. Well, first he, he super glues her paws to the basket so she doesn't jump out. <laughs> but yes. Well, no, that's just so he can take wilder turns. We've already established how Pat treats poor Jess. But before we get too far away from it, there was some foreshadowing in these in this opening scene with Postman Pat because he almost forgets his hat and forgetting your hat will be a recurring fucking thing in this goddamn episode. Oh my god! Chekhov's missing hat! <laughs> yep. Audience member, this is the level of excitement you can come to expect from Postman Pat. I saw this three times and did not put that together. <laughs> But by the way, Jules, I am very happy that as you grew into adulthood, obviously your face got elongated. <laughs> and I have the penis nose. It's... And you got out of the curse before your eyes got too close together. They are at a very nice and respectable distance. <laughs> so I don't need to wear one goggle when I go swimming in my pool. <laughs> no, no, you don't. <laughs> So he's now whistling his goddamn theme song while he rides the bike. He's graduated from humming it to whistling it. Yes, despite the trees growing leaves, we are still in a time loop. And Hitler is up early. Yes, we get to see Hitler bright and early. Gives Adolf Hitler a wave. He's already doing his best to block the roads and impede transportation. <laughs> Exactly. Yep, causing chaos behind <laughs> enemy lines. And Postman Pat can't stop to explain why he's biking to work, because he's got a bus to catch. Yes, yes! Hitler's like, Pat, where's your van? And Pat basically pulls a, there's no time! <laughs> <laughs> As he very softly pedals away. <laughs> yes, he could have taken like two seconds to like explain to Hitler what was going on, but, you know, decided not to. They cut out Hitler's rant when he says the civil service should <laughs> should always have their bus ready and on time. This is outrageous. <laughs> oh, God. What's the movie where it's that clip of Hitler freaking out and people always subtitle it with whatever? Downfall. Downfall, yeah. 
Okay, so what we need is the clip from Downfall where he's cursing Postman Pat. (laughs) (laughs) But um, back to young Jules's home life. I find it disturbing that the narrator is encouraging trespassing. How how is this done? Well, he mentions how, you know, Pat's having breakfast and the morning routine of the family, which you would know if you just knocked and walked in their door. That's rude. Just because you knock doesn't mean you get to come right on in. Nope. Hellscape. So, yeah, he gets some keys from Mrs. Goggins at the post office because doing something a little different. He's going to be extra busy because he's not going to just be delivering the mail. What could he possibly be doing? He goes around a corner for a dramatic reveal of his brand new post bus. And again, unreliable narrator, because clearly Pat gets the key, leaves the post office, goes around the corner to where the bus is and hops in and starts his job. But the narrator's like, where could Pat's van be? He didn't recall where he parked it yesterday. It's like, no, that is clearly not what's <laughs> happening here. <laughs> and uh, I do want to give a shout out about this van because this is an example of great British engineering. This van has some serious starter trouble. <laughs> yes. like, every time he starts it up, it, it spazzes out and does this crazy... <laughs> seizure thing that's because this is a bust his post van had no problem nevertheless yeah this rumbling bus uh, quotation marks is uh is brought to you by the royal mail royal mail <laughs> the queen is still reading all your letters <laughs> i see so what you're saying is they had to get a, a new bus because the previous van was working too well yes yes okay that's- got it it's the British solution. Well, actually, guys, I have a very fun fact about the post bus. This was a real thing. From 1967 until the early 2000s, to service public transportation in rural areas, the Royal Mail would run post buses like this. Well, God damn it! that removes like 80% of my notes for this episode. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I, did I ruin this episode for you? Oh, no. There's still plenty more. Manhor Mario makes another appearance. Adult-pated Father Tim's is back. It's it's a whole thing. Okay, good. Well, the fact that every time Pat picks up a passenger, he looks back through the cage like he's a <laughs> police warden transporting <laughs> prisoners to max <Yeah>. security. <laughs> And Jess continues to stare off into the middle distance, contemplating his life choices. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, this was a thing that existed. And now he's going to go pick up Granny Dryden because she wants to go to Ingledale. And Mrs. Goggins tells Postman back to also pick up the Reverend, too, because his car broke down. And uh, this is some exciting fucking stuff, people. I am on the edge of my goddamn seat. <laughs> Oh, wait till you see Reverend Tim's drama, man. If this has got you fighting. <laughs> oh, yeah, because he's the first one that he goes to pick up. And uh, Reverend Tim's has a three knotted handkerchief because it's supposed to remind him about something. I hope it's a clean one. I hope he didn't use one of his like ones that he'd already blown his nose into. That was one of the knots to wash the handkerchief. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently in rural England, they haven't discovered pads and pens yet. Or just like a finger around your, a string around your finger, you know. I feel that serves the same purpose, though. All you have is the knot is in the handkerchief or the knot is tied around your finger. That doesn't help you fucking remember. It's like Neville's remember all. All it does is remind you that you forgot something. That's what I was going to (laughs) say. Exactly. Yep. He doesn't know what the fuck those knots are for. 
Yeah, so he can't come with Postman Pat until he figures out what he did the knots for. And Postman Pat's like, bro, I got I got people to pick up, so I'm not waiting for you. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Postman Pat. And so the priest's like, that's fine. I'll just bike into Englewood, uh, pin in that. Uh, Postman Pat gives him his mail and is on his way. And uh, riveting. Just riveting shit. <laughs> I, just, I just kept smiling every time the band started up or idols it was just, <laughs> just every diesel engine ever oh and the post bus has a seizure every time it starts up it just starts shaking <laughs> crazy yeah so granny dryden on the other end has her shit together and she's ready to go she is good to fucking go and we get to painstakingly watch postman pat help fucking granny dryden into the bus or is she <laughs> Well, yeah, you're right, John. She's not really, because we're almost there. Uh, the narrator tells us that Postman Pat was excited to be picking up his first passenger. And my note here is, I'm glad somebody's excited by what's happening. <laughs> I had, you could see Pat's excitement on the expression of his face that never changes, no matter what the circumstance. <laughs> they did not have frown budgets for uh, for Postman Pat. Oh, they had brief ones. They, they were like two minuscule moments where he... He has a downward smiley face, and well, Katie has a frown. Granny's eyes close when she sleeps. At least that's a thing. At least she doesn't have creepy. I'm sleeping with my eyes open face. <laughs> it's just the cage divider that just keeps making me chuckle. <laughs> I love the cage divider. Well, anyways, yeah, Granny Dryden forgot her hat. So yes, Postman Pat forgetting his hat was foreshadowing for a fucking storyline. So we get treated to watching Postman Pat back all the way up back to her house. <laughs> Granny getting out to go get her hat. Postman Pat just sitting there for a little bit. And then her coming back out again, getting back into the van and them driving off. I am not shitting you, audience member. This is what we watch. But I do have to agree with narrator. It is a lovely hat and it would have been a shame to leave it behind. Yes, it was a nice pink hat with little flowers on it. I Yes, it would have been a shame. Quite lovely for this little old lady to wear on her shopping excursion to Eagledale. <laughs> but this is where like Postman Pat is starting to feel the effects. <laughs> because this is where he has the, well, I hope she hasn't forgotten anything else. <laughs> yes, so now they're going to pick up Ms. Hubbard. Also, he doesn't run her over, which like seemed like a very real possibility. She's just standing in the middle of the road being like, stop, stop, stop. And you're just like, lady, this is not safe. Yeah, and I mean, this falls into my notes and questions about the post bus, but apparently Postman Pat is also the porter because he's got to handle her bags and load them yeah, in. Yeah, she gets it and then he passes her bags to her. Yeah, apparently that's part of his job now. And unreliable narrator tells us that it was a tight fit to get everything in there. Asshole, there are two passengers on this bus and we're going to fit twice as many people in there by the time this is done. This is... Not a difficult packing situation. Yeah, we have just begun to cram this bus. So now they go to pick up Ted. The narrator lets us know that Ted normally drives into town in his Land Rover, so it was odd that he was flagging down the bus. Good to know, narrator. I needed to know that. My note here is this mustache is brought to you by Land Rover. <laughs> Rover, just one of the car companies that England fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, Country English slash Manhor Mario does mention that his Land Rover is broken and he needs to go pick up a part. Yeah, he's got to go get into town and get a gearbox. So he squeezes in, but then he steps into one of Ms. Hubbard's baskets and she damn near stabs him for doing this. <laughs> yes, 
But I believe this is banter. This is flirting, as will be evident later. Yes, it is. But right now, this is just the, he, he talks about the old basket. Well, it wasn't an old one until your big old foot was in there. Yeah, she like yells at him, basically. It's like, oh, oh my yeah. God, is is there conflict in this show finally? Did they get <laughs> finally get conflict budget for Postman Pat? That was my initial note, that we finally have some characterization, and Miss Hubbard is a bit of a shrew. Yep. This will not quite be the case. However, Postman Pat channels my dad in this <laughs> because when my dad got out of the military he flew commercial airliners for like not even a year and then went on to have a long career at FedEx and when asked why he would give up that sweet gig of commercial airliner his response is boxes don't bitch <laughs> and Pat here turns to Jess and is like it was so much more quiet and peaceful when it was just parcels wasn't it Jess <laughs> yep it's his first day at this job and he is already feeling sorry about it the big question though is did your did your dad work with uh thing slash wilson from castaway which which thing oh adam's family thing yeah because i was like we got adam's family you got the fantastic four you got that weird john carpenter (laughs) creature which thing are you talking about jules there's lots of things the only thing we talk about in this podcast (laughs) so you're saying that thing, that thing, that thing. <laughs> <laughs> that was a weird tangent. Yeah, let's let's bring it back, guys. Let's bring it back. Uh, so yeah, now we watch them drive down a country road for like a bunch of them for like a minute. I'm pretty sure this is where the narrator tells us about the turns he took. <laughs> yes, I think so. And that you, oh, Pat's probably driving too fast to make up for lost time. This is where she says, slow down, Pat. You're making me all wobbly. This is where she gets wobbly because she was already flirting with Tom, a.k.a. Man Whore Mario. That's what's really making her all wobbly. <laughs> <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> I think I, we do. I think we know what you mean. <laughs> But yeah, so to get out of that weird situation, Hitler's blocking the road. Ah, fucking Hitler, man. Always blocking the road with his mobile shop. See, again, that was foreshadowing at the beginning when he was blocking the road. Thankfully, Pat was on a bicycle and was able to get around him. And he's getting worse at hiding it because he starts gesticulating at him afterwards. It gets really Hitlery. <laughs> A lot of hand motions here as he helps him squeeze through the gap to get past. And they're like, hey, actually, some refreshments would be really nice. Can we, let's just stop here and buy some, some stuff from Adolf Hitler. So they all get out to buy some stuff from Adolf Hitler. Yep. And this is where Miss Hubbard and Tom start flirting more actively with each other. Oh, yeah. And then uh, Pat goes to deliver some mail. And this is where the old granny carjacked Pat and went on an epic joyride through town. <laughs> Pat couldn't deliver his letters and got fired that very day. It was a weird ending. That would be amazing. I would I would I would have much preferred that episode. Especially since in about in showtime, about 12 minutes, Granny's gonna fall asleep. That means she caused a shitload of destruction just prowling this bus through property. <laughs> and so yeah, they're all faffing around at this mobile shop, and he's like, guys, guys, we gotta go. Like, I gotta like do the bus thing and I gotta deliver the mail. You're all you're slowing me down. Once again, lamenting his extra human cargo, quips to Jess, letters never get out to buy biscuits. <laughs> Yep, not even one full workday in customer service, and it is enough to destroy your spirit. By the way, did it appear to anyone else that they paid Hitler with a brown egg? 
because everyone's walking away with their boxes of biscuits and whatever <laughs> treats they picked up, and he's just standing there holding a goddamn egg. I don't know why. This is another great sentence that I just... <laughs> Anyone else notice how they paid Hitler with a brown egg? Or is that supposed to be a biscuit? <laughs> uh, by the way, for our American <laughs> listeners, a biscuit in Britain is a cookie that's been left out to rot in a desert. That is... <laughs> no, no, they don't rot, they mummify. They mummify in a desert, yes. You get a mummified, what should have been a cookie, that is a biscuit. You can break it over someone's head and it'll still stay firm. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, staying firm over people's heads is way too weird in the world of dildo nose. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah hitler salutes them goodbye and then they um yes they... he does <laughs> yes he does <laughs> i mean they might try to tell you it's waving but we know we know, we know. <laughs> he gave a little heil pat underneath it was a whole thing <laughs> oh, <how bad. laughs> so yeah they get to a bridge uh, it's been blocked off by a cop and some, some raids have flooded it or something yes because People can't stop standing in the goddamn road on this show. There's riding crop guy as well, who's clearly part of Hitler's SS bodyguard. Damn it, PC Selby, why'd you have to go and join Hitler? <laughs> no, no, oh no, PC Shelby, he, he's clearly Hitler in a policeman disguise. How did he get there so quickly? <laughs> So Manhor Mario, a.k.a. Ted, pipes up that, hey, actually, he knows a shortcut. And hey, why the fuck didn't you bring that up sooner, Ted? You're too busy hitting on Mrs. Hubbard is why. Yeah, I think Manhor Mario's shortcut was just a way to kind of drag out the experience of getting to be by Miss Hubbard a bit longer. Because he clearly doesn't know the path. I think so. They just get lost in a field. Yes, they get lost and have to backtrack. But we watch for like two solid minutes, Ted giving postman Pat directions. And then you go down left here, then you go right over here. In a field. And then into a fucking field. <laughs> As Miss Hubbard comments that this shortcut feels like we're going through a plowed field. There's windows on the bus, Miss Hubbard. You can see this for yourself. So it's clearly not the right way. So we get to watch the footage we've just seen in reverse <laughs> for like another two minutes as he backed up back onto the road. I swear to God, this show is my new Baywatch. <laughs> if I've ever had a long day, I am going to postman Pat. Yeah, so they stop off at a farm because they, they realize, oh, well, there's a farm nearby that I need to drop off some letters to, so we're just going to stop here. And they all pile out of the bus because why the fuck not? And yeah, as we get to watch Granny wake up and not know where she is because, again, why the fuck not for anything that happens in this show? It, it wasn't just waking up. I feel like Granny realized that Hitler lived in their village at this point. <laughs> the way she wakes up is like... Oh my god, that guy's Hitler. But again, it's just padding for this really short episode because it doesn't matter to goddamn anything. We just cut into <laughs> Granny being asleep. The narrator tells us that she's asleep, tells her that she's waking up when she does, and then it's a, are we there yet? Nope. Okay, delivering some mail. Wow. Yep. God damn it, man. God damn. So the farmer on whatever the fuck farm this is is having an issue with his tractor and Ted's helping him out. When all of a sudden the priest comes screeching down the fucking hill on his bike. He's like, whoa. My note here is this is the sound English people make when they have sex. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> Does that include the bike bell? And the bike bell, yes. There's and the bike, bike bell, bell during sex. Okay, cool. 
<laughs> so the priest crashes into a garage, but it's okay because God put some hay there. Uh, couldn't fix his brakes, but he could put some hay in a barn for him. So that, that's a good job, God. <laughs> yeah, so I have that Reverend Tim smacked his head, and that's what allowed him to get his memory back, because suddenly <laughs> he knows what the knots in the handkerchief are for. Yeah, knocks some literal sense in him, because it's, he remembers that the one knot's to remember sister's birthday, the other knot's to you know put a present for her in the post, and three to fix his bike's brakes, which would have been really handy had he remembered it before he went for a ride. For fuck's sake, Reverend Tims, write shit down. Why is this complicated? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then you don't have wacky kid shows shenanigans. Because he lost his pens and didn't have enough handkerchief left to make a knot to remind himself to find them. <laughs> to buy more pens. <laughs> I love the idea that the phrase ran out of handkerchief is a thing now. (laughs) So the farmer tells the priest that he should just go with the others of the bus. He'll fix the bike for him and he'll bring it over to his place in the morning. And then we get to watch them all, every single person, get back in the fucking bus and drive off. We get to watch it all happen, folks. And so finally, at long goddamn last, they have made it to Ingledale, which has slightly more traffic than Greendale, as in it's got one motorcycle and a truck. It is slightly more congested. Yeah. But we won't really know that because we don't get to see the town. We get to see where the bus is parked. We get to see where the bus is parked with like this weird statue with a dildo nosed dude and a top hat with a cane. I guess he's the founder of the town or some rich fuck who got a statue made of himself gets a whole amount of screen time and then never referred to at all yeah you're right gets a decent chunk of screen time and pat's like all right everybody meet back here at two okay 2 p.m they're like cool cool and it's at this moment that for some reason the female voice actress decides she needs to say said so and so after she reads a line for one of her characters <laughs> Like, don't worry, I'll be back, said Miss Hubbard. And I'm just like, you haven't done this at any point in this episode. Why are you starting now? But the guy does all the time. So the female voice actress finally decides that that's a thing she's going to do now. So now it's two o'clock and we're going to do what this show considers shenanigans because Granny Dryden hasn't been found. So Miss Hubbard's going to go look for her. So Miss Hubbard goes to look for her, but Granny Dryden shows up. Let's not forget, Pat delivers a little bit of casual sexism, just sort of saying she'll be having a gossip somewhere. Oh, women. Bitches, am I right? Postman Pat. (laughs) (laughs) And so Miss Hubbard is now missing. So Ted's like, don't worry, I'll go look for her. But he first, he scratches his mustache with clearly like a brush sound from the Foley artist before he goes off to find Miss Hubbard. But then he's missing and Miss Hubbard comes back and Postman Pat is supposed to, you know what, fuck it. You people sort this out. I'm going to go sit in my van with a newspaper. Fuck all y'all. And unfortunately, he can't sit for long. This whole like, oh no, someone's missing. I'll go look for him is just like the was it wolves or coyotes in G.I. Joe I forget either way it's the power of not being in frame (laughs) because someone exits to the left of the screen and the person they're looking for immediately walks on from the right of the screen everyone who's standing there discussing this shit should have seen them walking up (laughs) it wasn't crowded no it's literally just them and the bus And apparently this whole town where you get lost in the shops is simply a a small roundabout or cul-de-sac because whoever goes looking is back less than a minute later from the opposite direction. (laughs) 
Yep. This show's a delight. So anyways, on the way back, they got to drop off some mail at George Lancaster's farm. And George asks if he can take some chickens to market tomorrow on the bus. But Miss Hubbard shuts him down because she owns the bus and not Postman Pat. Yeah, my note here was, God damn it, Miss Hubbard, you do not get to set bus rules. No. She's like, oh, it's going to get feathers everywhere and we're all going to be sneezing. And it's like, have you never heard of like cleaning out the inside of a bus? Like they can clean it out. Postman Pat will figure this shit out. You stay the fuck out of this. And clearly you can get wherever you need to go easily on a bicycle. Yeah. Reverend Tim's doesn't know what the hell's going on 83% of the time. <laughs> Legitimate statistic, I promise. I mean, someone as headstrong and focused as Ms. Hubbard could get wherever she wants and get her shit done. She doesn't have to wait for the bus. She doesn't have to put up with man whore Mario's advances. <laughs> it's a simpler life. So George happens to have a couple baskets of eggs with him, and that reminds Miss Hubbard that she totally forgot to get some in town. So she asks George for some eggs, gives her half a dozen eggs, and she doesn't pay him. Yeah, but he already has eggs. What's Miss Hubbard supposed to use as currency? We've established this. <laughs> yeah, there's no money in Postman Pat world that's not eggs. As we all know, you only play Hitler. <laughs> that's, that's rule one of commerce. Yeah, you only play Hitler. But that explains why Katie's mom didn't have any eggs when Postman Pat showed up with the birthday presents. They spent them all to provide for the party. (laughs) So we get more fucking driving. And as they're doing more fucking driving, they get flagged down by Dorothy from earlier. The first farm they went to says that Mrs. Goggins called and she's worried that they'd gotten into an accident because I guess they're behind schedule and haven't checked in no cell phone, whatever. Yeah, who'd have thought that when you give the postman fucking passengers to shuttle around between different villages, it's going to take him longer to get his job done. Yeah, weird how that works. So invites them inside for some tea so Pat can call and tell Mrs. Goggins that they're fine. He does that and he's like, no, we didn't go to Blackpool. Why would we want to go there? (laughs) I've actually been to Blackpool so I can relate. (laughs) Okay, Blackpool's a shithole confirmed. No, it's not. It's fine. It's It's fine. It's probably fine. Don't add us. Farber tells the priest, the farmer that was originally going to fix the priest's bikes, like, look, you know, I've just uh, oiled the bike. And I think, Jules, you had a you had a hot take on this. Oh, no. What he actually says is I've given your bike a good oiling. If you know, if you know what I mean. I don't, I don't think I want to know what he means. I, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to remain here in blissful ignorance and just not think about it too hard. So on top of like telling the priest that his bike's been oiled up, he's like, look, I just got to give him a new set of brake pads. And, you know, I was really worried about the condition of this bike. So I'm really glad this was all cleared up for us. It was it was really weighing on me. So they all have some tea, except no, the fuck they don't. Because when Dorothy pours Granny a second cup, the liquid is clear. This is not tea. <laughs> yes. No, it's not. Rural England can't afford tea. <laughs> You've had a stressful day. Let me get you a nice, relaxing cup of tea. And by tea, I mean gin. (laughs) (laughs) The working man's tea. What? They're made from plants? Yeah, there's junipers in there. Oh, struggle is real. And they also give a saucer of milk to Jess the cat and don't give fucking saucers of milk to cats. They are lactose intolerant. It is bad for them. Don't do this. So the farmer helps Pat back out. Like, we watch this for a solid 45 seconds, and then they're on their way again. And honestly, I'm really surprised slash grateful we didn't watch them all get back into the bus again. (laughs) 
That would have been the cherry on the cake, right? <laughs> and then we get to watch Pat drop off each fucking character back at their house. <laughs> Every one of them. And guess who forgets their hat? Granny. Did it, did it, did it, And she's been sitting on it. Yeah. So that was a whole thing. <laughs> I feel Jess's pain. Yeah, Jess is like, I'm so bored. Oh, God, I'm so bored. I tried to drink enough milk to kill myself, but they wouldn't give it to me. <laughs> then he drops the priest off, Reverend Tibbs, who still has a knot in his handkerchief. And Pat's like, hey, is that a new knot? Or did you forget to untie the last knot? And the priest is like, I forgot. Womp, womp. God damn you, Reverend Tibbs. God damn you. You are supposed to be a pillar and leader of the community. <laughs> and that's it. Postman Pat just drives off. And that's fucking it. That was Postman Pat. And before we go, as millennials, we know that every movie and TV show has a moral, even the really boring ones. So, Jules, what did you learn today? <laughs> well, that my life is ludicrously interesting. <laughs> <laughs> There are tax accountants in Wyoming who lead far more interesting <laughs> lives than this. And John, what did you learn? I learned my weekly grocery runs aren't full of enough war criminals. <laughs> <laughs> Except my how you doing involved that I did buy sweets from Hitler. I lead a weird life, listeners. <laughs> Can confirm. <laughs> And I learned that I'm really glad I didn't grow up in rural England. Just seems like a <laughs> boring fucking place. God. You need an opioid crisis over there. Spice things up a little bit. <laughs> and before we go, we need to tell you what we're doing next time. So, John, what do the folks at home have to look forward to? Well, from painfully boring to excruciatingly absurd, <laughs> we are diving down into the deep blue sea. Oh, yeah. We're doing Shark Week whenever the fuck we feel like it. So, John, <laughs> you got any got any reviews to get the folks at home chomping at the bit? One of those stupid movies that are really good to relax with. A preposterously silly bit of work. Chock full of nuts and rife with the kind of plot holes you could drive a submersible ROV through. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I cannot wait to drive this submersible. Ah. Uh. And that's our show. If you liked it, please subscribe. If you loved it, please share it with all your friends. And whether you liked it or loved it, we'd appreciate it if you gave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can to help others find us. Also, be sure to like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Links to all of that are in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Millennial Rewind. <laughs>